Hey, hey. What's up, Chad? Do mic check. Yo, yo. GM, GM. How's it going? Yo, GM. I thought Chad B would be here. He might be sleeping now. <laughs> so if he's not here, then <laughs> that is the reason, most likely. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I don't know. I think he confirmed, but could also be asleep. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. I mean, either way, there's still like a bunch of stuff. Uh, I've been super busy just like with all this, everything going on. So I haven't even been had time to like do a space in, in a couple of weeks. It's been probably like, eh, like three weeks maybe since we did one. I think so. Yeah. Longest break in in quite a while so it's good to be back yeah i know i'm sorry it's just there's like so much stuff going on it's hard to get the time sometimes to to coordinate so uh my bad that i don't know like i wish someone else could host these sometimes because <laughs> uh uh me being the, the only one that that does it is uh sometimes kind of a pain but we we live yeah it's all good yeah it's just now there's more uh more good stuff saved up yeah, that's true, and it makes it makes it just better when we can actually get together. I, like, I, that, that's the thing. I, I don't want to just do these for the sake of, you know, filling out a, an hour every week. You know, uh, so yeah, I, I feel like it's better when, if we just keep it sweet and uh, and stick to the good stuff. Totally. Yeah, I just came back from uh, from Paris. I was in, not not at ECC. I was at the uh, the Ledger flex out in Arizona and uh let me, let me tell you guys it was it, it was super sick being out at the at the ledger hq uh they, they were having a, a developer event over there and they invited some of the uh the thor swap team and uh some of the nine realms guys so they, they, there are four of us out there uh and yeah just like get, getting like a like a tour of their entire facility was was awesome we, we got to play with the the new ledger stacks, the, uh, the, the wallets that they're coming out with. Didn't get to take one home, but, uh, got to <laughs> play around, like, you know, touch it a little bit and, uh, give some feedback. There's a uh, Mr. Chad B. Come on up. But yeah, yeah. The, uh, the ledger HQ was awesome. Uh, oh, they let us put together our own, uh, our own ledgers and actually take a tour of the facility where they actually like assemble them. So, Oh, wow. That's super cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Took home a uh, a gold ledger, <laughs> some uh, some super limited uh, stuff over there, and uh, obviously, like you know, talking with the ledger team. Uh, the ledger team is like super uh, super aligned with everything that we're doing, and is working hard right now to get uh, you know. It, there, there's a couple things that need to happen in order for um, the the door swap integration with ledger to like be a little bit more salient and and uh they bring things like eth swaps and and whatnot so there, there's like a lot of behind the scenes work that has to be done as well as like you know like you know revenue sharing and and, and stuff like that that needs to be you know kind of worked out behind the scenes but they seem super aligned to actually get something going with with Thorchain and like they really want to make it happen so uh it, like I, I could not be more pleased at the results of uh uh, of going all the way out to the Ledgerplex, and yeah, it seems like it's going to be some some nice things for us on the uh, on the horizon. Who knows how long this stuff will take? Like, yeah, especially when you're, you're dealing with like contracts and like you know all this like technical work, which you know will take like audits and things like that. But 
you know, hopefully not, um, hopefully not too long and, you know, a nice uh, integration for everyone to, to look forward to. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one and uh, seems like it's coming together. So yeah, thanks to you and everyone that was over there making it happen. Uh, I saw like the, the, the stacks with the, the Thor swap ones and all that and looks pretty sw sick. So that needs to become a reality. Yeah, I kind of wish I bought one now. I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't pre-order one. <laughs> it, it, it's really nice. Yeah, the e-ink screen is definitely the way to go. The battery life on them should be really nice. I think because of that, uh, there's nothing really. E-ink e uses like barely any uh, any battery at all to for the display. So um, you know, it's a nice size, like credit card type size, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't like. There's nothing really else too too notable about it that that I could pick out. But um, big screen is nice, so I, I like e-ink too. I think it's kind of underutilized, so I'm a big fan of that. Cool. cool. I, didn't, I didn't know it was. I didn't know it was an e-ink display. That's pretty neat. Yep, yep, e-ink display, and it has like a, a curved edge on the side, so it has you can like just you can change what it had what it displays on the side. So like you know we we set them up to have say like Thor swap on the side, and you can change the uh, the lock screen photo. So you can just upload a any any photo basically. Um, so we uploaded some some Thor chain photos and and just threw them on the on the like the homepage sort of thing. So when you lock it, you can just see that. And yeah, yeah it uses like no battery because it's all e-ink. And um, it also has a magnet in them, so you can just stack them on, literally just stack them on top of each other. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's why it's called the stacks, but, like, I, I don't know what the purpose of that is. I, I don't know how many crypto wallets you could possibly need to stack on top of one another, but it was kind of cool to, to see that you could stack, like, ten of them on top of each other. I, I told them for a promo event they need to uh, set the world record for the most stacks stacked. So that was my contribution. <laughs> Just just stack them like three hundred feet high. <laughs> yeah, what if they stack ten thousand think... stacks? <laughs> Sats or stacks? Yeah. Uh, I'd be curious to know if you can turn. Like, I don't know if it connects via uh, a wire or does it connect via like Bluetooth and like this. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a wire, and I think it. I I, I assume it has Bluetooth, but not one hundred percent sure. I, I think it does. It definitely has the USB C connection on it, though. I think I'd rather not have Bluetooth. Like I'd rather just have it hardwired that way. It's just it's like cleaner to connect. You don't have to worry about like Bluetooth connections weird. But also like from a security perspective, I'd rather just have it be, you know, offline entirely. I, yeah, I'm guessing it's an option because like on the on the X, uh, it's an option, but you don't have to use it that way. Of course, like I don't think I've ever actually got it set up. But so I, I would assume the stacks being like more of the flagship model probably has the option. For both, I actually, I actually don't really like the X. I, I, I bought one just to, just to check it out, and I don't know. Like, it, it's if, if the battery gets low, and then you, you have to plug it in, and you have to like wait like ten minutes or something like that before it actually turns on or something like this. Like that was, I don't really like the battery element to it. I rather just plug it in and it just like kicks on, and then you know put in your pin. That, that's thing. that's how mine is the battery of mine is kind of jacked up so it, 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 i basically just plug it in it turns off i plug it i unplug it and it like dies immediately and uh, so <laughs> that's how mine works i don't know about you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't i don't want to worry about a battery on these things i just want to be able to plug it in hardwire plug in my laptop or whatever and like be done with it rather than fucking around oh did i charge my my ledger today <laughs> 
I don't want to fuck around with that. Yeah, I don't think I, like I don't have to. Worry, I don't worry about that at all. Like, because you plug it in, and it just turns on. So, I, like, I, I've never run into an issue with that. It's all it's all hardwired though. So, I mean, uh, we, we were testing it out. Chilios was from the ThorSwap team. He was kind of playing around with it and uh, doing some of the experiments that they had like lined up for us. Some of the uh, like the the Dev Tools type things. And uh, yeah, he had it plugged in and uh, was doing some developer stuff. The uh, ENS guys were also there. They were like. Uh, so the ENS core team was there and they were uh, like fixing like ENS displays on, on the stacks and, and stuff like that. Just doing some like, uh, you know, preliminary work to get it actually like uh, ready to ready to ship. And uh, yeah, would have been nice to uh, walk, walk out with one, but they were like, uh, there's their first models that they even got in, I think. So I don't know when they're actually going to be ready to ship if you pre-ordered one, but it, it was pretty cool. So uh if you did pre-order one, like, you know, I'd be looking forward to it. That seemed, seemed pretty nice. And it should work with pretty much everything that Ledger already already does. Like, I think it should, like, work out of the box with uh, with DoorSwap. Yeah, I think that's what will be great about it is just having, like, the screen real estate and actually being able to, like, like, as we get these integrations landing and stuff, then to have like a weird swap and it's showing exactly like what's happening on the screen. Whereas like right now, like when you're signing stuff, you know, there's room for like 10 characters or whatever. Like it's not very clear what's going on. So I think that'll be huge when paired with things like having Thor swap right on it. That'll be, that'll be a game changer for sure. I'm going to have to, I, I didn't pre-order one either, but I feel like I need to. No, I've got too many ledgers already. I, I, don't, I don't need any more. <laughs> <laughs> it can't just be me. It can't just be me. Damn baller over here. Well, you need you need the stack so you can stack them up. Yeah. What do you do right now? You just like have them in a pile or something? Like you need to stack them. <laughs> Kyle, you're a, a noob, brother. You're a noob. You got, pi- you got piles of ledgers. You got to stack them, dude. You got to stack them. <laughs> yeah, they, they knew what they were doing when it comes to hoarders like me. I just got them in a bowl. A bowl. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's like it's like one of those like <laughs> it's like a bowl, bowl of Wait, keys, on, like where you you throw the keys to your like Ferrari in a bowl. It's just like a bowl of ledgers when you walk in your house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kyle, are you yeah. smoking? Are you smoking your ledgers? Are you putting them in bowls and smoking them? <laughs> Kyle, what are you doing, brother? <laughs> Put down the bowl. Smoke weed, brother. Not ledgers. <laughs> it's like a ledger I'm branded bowl no no I'm, I'm yeah i'm messing around but um yeah man it, it was super sick out there we met a lot of like cool teams like, yeah like the ens core team was there yeah, i got to like I, I don't know just thinking of like ideas around you know just like how to like work with the, all these other teams and just you know making some personal connections it, it's really nice being at like a, a small event like that rather than like you know like thousand person event because you can actually like you know talk to people and, and connect a little bit you know so uh, that that was definitely like a huge plus, and we and we definitely made some some other like good contacts that, that can hopefully lead to some uh, some some more integration work besides uh, ledger ledger itself. So like great things coming out of that, and then um, yeah, I think uh, Mogarki is still out there for uh, for ETHCC. So that, I mean, um, that that was my first time like in in Paris and in that in I mean in France in, in general. So it was like uh, I, I had an amazing time out there. Very jealous anyone that went to. ECC or, or stayed around. 
Yeah, I kind of wish I went. Everyone's out there right now. All right, brother. What's next? We've been we haven't had one of these things in a while, so we, we're a little bit overdue. So we got plenty of things to, to talk about. Yeah, Chad, you can you know you can host them, right? You don't have to wait for me to get free to to host these things. <laughs> I can't host shit. You want me to use Twitter somehow? You think I can use Twitter? What is it? Yeah, no, it's unusable. What is this? What is this newfangled digital instrument here? I can't operate this thing. Uh, well, we've had a, a bunch of, uh, in the last few weeks, uh, some really big things kind of happening in, in, in the in the protocol, which is actually quite nice. Um, one of the things we added, and, and, and no particular order, actually, but one of the things we added, which was kind of interesting, and I'm very interested to see how uh, communities use this in the, in, the, in the future, but uh, we had the ability for for a swap to, be, for, to pass um, additional and arbitrary data in the memo through the other side. So like a lot of uh, protocols are talking about message passing between one chain to another, how we can pass data between those two things. And now uh, Thorchain swaps and such can be used to like pass arbitrary data to from one chain to another chain and be able to, uh, to, to do that. And so I'm really, I'm really kind of fascinated to see what ways that this can be used you know, it's kind of like, in my mind, I'm only seeing it like kind of like query args. We just have added query args of a URL, and now people can utilize them for all sorts of, like, you know, use cases. And I'd be very fascinated over the next, like, six months or 12 months, whatever it is, to, to see how people utilize that feature. Can Can you think of any cool ways or, like, paint the picture for, like, what this might mean? Because, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really understand uh, the use cases. Well, yeah, so there's lots lot of things you can do. So, like, you can give instructions on the other side what to do with the swap once the swap is done. So, for example, um, say I wanted to uh, swap to, you know, Thor token, right, and then have Thor token be staked into the uh, into VThor. That can all be done in a single transaction because uh, you can call a smart contract on the other side and pass it additional information of, like, hey, stake it here. Uh, buy this NFT. Even you could even theoretically do it with like Bitcoin NFTs, like ordinals and such, where you can actually theoretically you could actually buy buy an NFT on the other side. Um, all sorts of different things can be used for it, and that it, 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 it just kind of opens the landscape for more things that I could probably even imagine, to be honest. Okay, yeah, I gotcha. That's that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out to Oleg in here. Uh, the the giga brain dev at, at ThorSwap because yeah he's been talking about a lot of those ideas so I guess this is kind of what enables that. Yes, yeah, you get a lot of things you can do with it, like even um, things like um, um, if if you wanted to do some kind of crazier things like, or complex things of like a if I only got a partial fulfillment on a streaming swap, then take the remainder of this and do this with it. And then if that do this, like you can embed like so much more information to, to do more things on more smart contracts across more chains. It's just, uh, it's going to be fascinating for sure. So how does it work exactly? It's like, you, it's like a regular swap and then you pass in an additional memo field that has like any arbitrary information. And then like, how is that received by, um, you know, 
like so yeah, yeah can you can you give like an example so i can like more clearly picture it yeah sure so like at the end of the memo what you do is you, you put in a, a vertical pipe like a little bit of the, the icon below the delete key uh call a vertical pipe put that in there as a, as a separator and then anything after that vertical pipe will just get appended to the outbound memo or the outbound swap of thorchain and so whoever's receiving that that swap on the other side uh like a smart contract for example can can parse that memo the outbound memo forget about the first part but that's just for thorchain's uh purposes the out colon hash and then there's a vertical pipe and then a bunch more text after that and that could be a, that could be json that could be binary encoded that could be you know literally anything uh it could be emojis for all we fucking know like it literally could be anything and the smart contract can look at that data that json that text that binary whatever it is and then parse it and do something with it you know and it can be literally anything Like you could say, for another example, you could split, say, the result of this, split 20% of it and send it to this place and put 80% of it to this other location or something like this. Like, I want to donate 20% of this to uh, Red, Red Cross. I don't know. It, be, it literally could be anything. Right. Well, how is that parsed by the recipient? So they, they, so, okay, so they, you're doing a, uh, let, let's say you're receiving ETH on, on this end, just to make this a little bit more simple. So, you know, you're, you're doing some kind of swap and in, in the out, um, you know, the recipient is receiving some ETH and then there's instructions. Like, where do those instructions actually, like, come? Like, how do they receive those instructions? And then, like, how do they actually use those instructions to do something? Yeah, they receive them from the, the outbound memo. So when the, when the, net, when the network sends, signs a transaction, you're used to seeing memos on the inbound, but there's also memos on the outbound. And the memos on the outbound is the word out, colon, and then the inbound hash that was used to, to create the swap so that the network can associate this outbound transaction with this inbound transaction so it can kind of connect those two things. And so that's usually that's all the memo, memo is, is just that, right, most, most commonly. Um, but now you can put additional data in that outbound memo that the, the smart contract on the other side is parsing, reading, and then doing something with it, whatever that is. Got it. And a smart contract could just read arbitrary data like that and actually execute based off that whatever arbitrary data is in that memo. W wouldn't that need to be yeah. a, its own like smart contract or something? Like yeah, yeah. But yeah, the smart, the smart contract can read that in the in the transaction details. When it receives a transaction, like some some you know, ERC twenty thing or ETH thing or whatever the hell it is, it can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see someone actually build something with this because I like I, I I feel like I need to see an example of like what it is that you could actually um, like like accomplish and like what you know what new protocols you could build or interact with um you know protocols that already exist right now yeah I mean, you can think of it like there's a protocol called router protocol that does this effectively where they allow you to send messages around you know from one blockchain to another and, and their entire concept we basically did in, in a, like a 10 line code change <laughs> which is actually kind of, kind of funny <laughs> but any like this entire protocol talks about 
the things that you can build around this, you know, and, and we'll, we'll see what actually comes from, right? Swapping is one thing, like doing a swap and then opening a loan with it, right? Like maybe that's what you want to do. With it. You want to swap to some ERC-20 token and then put that into Aave and open up a loan. And then from that, you want the, the, the debt that you receive to be, you know, sent to this other address where you want to stake that. And then, I mean, you could like daisy chain a series of, of, of like commands outdoor all in a single transaction from a different blockchain. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering like who we should talk to about like actually building things on this. Cause like, obviously that's a key, like, so it's basically like making Thorchain into more of a platform and more so, like, I mean, it is kind of creating this like general purpose, um, you know, network, like messaging network that, you know, a lot of people could use. And, and a lot of people are building, are trying to build these like, you know, cross-chain messaging networks. So uh, obviously there's, there's like demand for, for using those messages. So I'm wondering like who to even, uh, you know, start onboarding as like a, as, as customers to actually like use that service that, that Thorchain now has. Yeah. I'm actually on Rotter's uh, website. <laughs> reading about what, what they're touting is like use cases for passing passing messages message between chains and one of them this is a funny one this is true cross-chain nft dating app for casual hookups <laughs> that sounds like a ai generated idea <laughs> <laughs> two billion dollar series a <laughs> yeah dude. let's do it Imagine, like Imagine I'm I in. hook up with some some chick and like it, it's like I got this NFT. Let's do it. <laughs> Bringing up Oleg here, I think he wanted to chime in on the messaging stuff. That's how you know it's not a catfish because she's got the NFT. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. What's up, Oleg? Use like that that world coin stuff to like verify it's her actual face. There you go. Cross chain governance is one thing you can do with this. Yield that yield aggregation. Hey guys, I don't have a lot of time. Oleg, how's it going? Hey man, how are you? Good. Yeah, I really don't have much time, but uh, I think one of the main use cases, at least for us right now, uh, that we're actively exploring is. Uh, daisy chaining with Stargate protocol. So basically that would enable uh, all the EVM chains. And right now, uh, like we have proof of concept transactions going uh, both ways, that works fine, but it's still a bit limited into what we can do because we don't have um, the space in the current format of the transaction that are carried over uh, to EVM land to carry all the information that we want, um, especially on EVM since MEV is so frequent we need to carry the price protection for each asset that we touch. Um, so basically what we're what you're describing with passing additional uh, arbitrary data basically will enable us to unlock new routes just because before we could not protect uh, the users along the way. But with those uh, like additional data fields, then it becomes viable to open those new routes because we can protect uh, along the way. Yeah, there you go. Excellent use case. Being able to expand to additional EVMs and do you use Stargate and other Layer Zero protocols, whatever else out there, to to do more with with these trades or swaps, it's just 
creates more flexibility, more more power, what Thorchain can can accomplish for users. Awesome. Yeah, I thought you guys were using Dexag for that. I didn't realize you were using the uh, generic message passing. Yes. Yeah, so, so right now we we only use Dexag for that, uh, and it works, but it it will be a bit limited when it launches. Um, yeah, it, it will be a bit limited, but it, overall it will work. But with the flags, uh, basically there's no limits. And also you can definitely do a slight, like some more degen stuff. Imagine you open a perp on GMX on Arbitrum from Bitcoin, but with those arbitrary data, you can even send in some information as to what you would like to do with the gains. So you could effectively from your Bitcoin wallet, open a degen 100x leverage bet on GMX and send the profits back to your Bitcoin address without needing to even touch like an EVM wallet. That's sick. Very cool. All right, I, I'll, I'll keep listening, but uh, I have to close the mic now. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of, one of the use cases there, like being able to, to have a wallet somewhere else but not have a wallet there, like in the sense of like, you could buy a Bitcoin ordinal with, with ETH if you wanted to, and then hold it. Well, I guess in that case, you'd actually wouldn't need to have a, a wallet to actually hold the ordinal in, but on EVM land, you, would, you can just hold it in a smart contract as part of like the market. Yeah, man, super cool. I, I almost forgot that we, uh, that we added that recently. It is been that there hasn't really been much uh, ado about that. Maybe we should, uh, you know, write something about that. Has there been any docs put out about that or anything? Uh, I think the docs are, are are updated with that, so I hope that is. If not, we can fix it. But I think, like for me, like the the feature is like very flexible and very powerful. But I, I kind of want to uh, wanted to wait on the public aspect of it to some degree, just because. I want to see people start to use it so we can actually like attribute value to it, direct value to it. Yeah, hundred percent, but we need, but we need some stuff built on top of it before that would happen. Yeah. But of course. Yeah. Super cool, man. And I, there's been so many other big things uh, coming out recently. Um, well, anything that's that's already shipped that uh, that, that you want to bring up? I think we'd have at least two releases: one fifteen and one sixteen. Oh yeah, lots of stuff. Um, I left my browser. There it is. Um, so another, obviously, one of the bigger ones that's that's coming out here, uh, that's in the code now, is is uh, streaming swaps. That's probably one of the one of the biggest things, like probably the, the most immediate uh, feature. It's going to be uh, released. We eventually put it into 115, and where we did some testing on StageNet, and for the most part, it's pretty pretty good, pretty solid. A couple bugs were found, so we just fixed it at 116. Uh, so we did one more round of testing between um, myself and other other devs, uh, but that should be going live probably, you know, hopefully in the next few days or something like this. I think we'll, we'll do the testing uh, probably this over the weekend. Hopefully, if I can um, get some get some time with the uh, other devs to sit down and do some testing and then uh, streaming truck will be live, I think. Or we might do an ADR on it actually, uh, just to get the community to, to vote on this, this kind of change. Yeah, I really want to see this live. <laughs> 
Can't wait for streaming swaps. I, uh, I've been building a interface to compare um, streaming swaps with a regular swap with, uh, and then comparing that against the Changely quote, which is pre- pretty normally best execution uh, um, as far as like centralized swap services. So uh, I, once it's live, we can finally start to see the, the, the quote comparisons against what Changely is spitting out versus what um, our old rate, basically, and then the, the new rate of whatever the streaming swap is. So I want to see it. ASAP. Let's do it. Yeah, you should you should include if you can, like you know, Binance or something. One of these characters, one of the more established exchanges. Yes, yeah, I mean API key. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be baller. We'll we'll beat everybody. Yeah, I would. Yeah. At that at that point, like it would just be epic, <laughs> pretty much, or be at least pretty. I mean, that. so where do you think? Like, do you think it will be? like how would you expect it to compare or like in the beginning and is it going to improve as as pools still deepen like how do you kind of think like those will stack up against each other over time yeah so liquidity still matters right um pool the depth of a pool does actually influence the streaming swaps capabilities so for example if you were to swap uh between Bitcoin to Bitcoin, meaning Bitcoin synth to Bitcoin layer one, the amount of time that it takes to do like, to say like a million dollar swap would be, you know, uh, significantly faster than if you were to do Bitcoin to ETH because the ETH pool, uh, Bitcoin is the deepest pool, obviously, and you're swapping to the same pool twice. Which so a Bitcoin savers, a Bitcoin synth to a Bitcoin layer one is probably the, the, the most optimal trade in a, in a sense in terms of how much value could be um, and still maintain that 5% uh, basis points uh, swap uh, fee. Uh, and you do it with something like Bitcoin ETH, it's, you're going to get like a little bit of a slower trade in the sense of uh, how long it takes it to like a million dollars. And if you go even lower, it's going to be even lower. So so like the streaming, streaming swaps in some sense, you can look at it as, um, as creating... A, a multiple on the depth of the pool by by multiplying it by the number of swaps that you're making. The math isn't isn't that actually that that simple. I'm just trying to simplify it for people. It's actually more complex than that, but um, but it basically allows you to have a much cheaper swap fee for the same trade. And as long as the trade doesn't take you know exorbitantly large amounts of time, like hours or days or whatever. Um, then, you know, from, from your perspective, it's more or less the same, right? Because I figure that, that 99% of trades on ThorChain uh, as of today, if you're swapping on ThorChain today, probably is a, you're in the 99 percentile, and that you'll just get your swap done within a, a handful of swaps, you know, and that'll probably just take a handful of minutes. And so it'll mean very little to most people in terms of the time change of how long it makes it to take to do a swap. It's like, block times themselves like bitcoin block times 10 minutes so swapping two bitcoin is you know wouldn't be much of a difference at all right even if you're doing like 10 trades 10 swaps um but you get in that scenario you get like a 90 percent reduction in the swap fees that you're paying to swap from ether to bitcoin or whatever and so it's a significant value there uh proposition to the to, to the entire industry um and people are trading you know fees for time 
and they're kind of balancing these two things. But I figure that the vast majority of trades will be under, you know, probably under five. The vast majority will play under five swaps, to be honest with you. Uh, and anybody who wants to go longer, they can, of course, as long as the, the swap is large enough. And one of the actual use cases of this entire feature is, uh, is a, a TWAP, meaning that you, a time-weighted average uh, pricing. So you can, if you wanted to make, if you're a whale, I was actually talking to TCB about this a while back. Uh, and if you're a whale like TCB and you got lots of friends who are whales as well, and one of the things you're concerned about is like is, is a, a large capital risks that you have that low, small capital people don't, don't actually carry, meaning that like you can move the price of the asset because you hold so much of it, either buying it or selling it. And uh, that becomes a problem in some sense from, from, from an exit liquidity perspective. And so sometimes what these individuals sometimes do is they do a TWAP order over the time span of a few hours or maybe a day or maybe a week, depending upon the situation that they're in. And so this actually automates that process for them so they can just basically swap against the, uh, against the market, market price as it moves over the time span of the hour or day or whatever the time span is. Um, so that's like also like a very significant value to kind of whales to do large trades on, on ThorChain because they can do something much more easily and without KYC and or deal with like, you know, OTC dealers and that kind of stuff. And the maximum time frame is 24 hours for, for a streaming swap. So it's a, it's a short, it's short to midterm uh, where, you, where you can specify up to 24 hours. Yes, that's true. But that's also, there's two caveats to that. One is if you're doing native to native, that can be up to a year. Right, so if you're doing rune to a synthetic or synthetic to a synthetic or something like this, uh, the 24 hours doesn't apply to you, and so you can you can do like that. You can, with that, you can actually do like DCA, right? If you wanted to like a dollar cost average into Bitcoin, for example, you can just like get a bunch of uh, synthetic um, USDC, right, and then you know open an order like over the next three months, I want to do a swap every once a day, you know. Uh, blah, blah blah or something like this or once a week or something whatever it is and like dollar cost average your way into bitcoin or out of bitcoin for that matter doesn't matter which direction um and the other caveat to that is that um if we do move forward with cold vaults if that actually does manifest into a real thing then cold vaults actually make it um economically um possible to 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 secure those assets outside of the pool itself because right now in the network all the layer one assets that we have, the exogenous capital outside of ThorChain has to be in a pool to be economically secured. But Cobalt actually changes that equation. It allows us to be able to have assets outside of the pool, but still be able to economically secure them, which is one of the like, great things about this particular innovation. And so if we had that this feature tomorrow, let's just say, hypothetically, we could actually remove that 24-hour limit. And now you can do you know, dollar cost averaging straight from layer one to the layer one, which is actually really valuable. Uh, and you can do much larger trades for much longer periods of time uh, if you wanted to. And that would be quite uh, useful for the industry. That's really cool. Yeah, we were talking on the on the ThorSwap space last week about how like this protocol level feature can really be packaged up by interfaces in a lot of different ways. Um, like for example, so 
on the launch of this, what what ThorSwap is thinking is not just having like completely open parameters, at least on the UI. Like obviously at the ThorChain level, you can customize all this stuff, right? But like for the average user doing a streaming swap, what do they care about? They care about getting the the price optimized swap. So it's probably going to look like basically two options. Either you go time optimized or you go price optimized. And then it just automatically splits it into what what is optimized for for your particular you know, size and asset, right? Um, but then we were talking about how, like, over time, this same feature could be a DCA product and, like, maybe there's certain parameters around that or it could be the TWAT product and stuff like that. So really cool how it enables, like, more than one use case, really. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be actually fascinated to see how different UIs, like, implement this feature. My assumption is that over the longer term, that UIs will use streaming swaps by default and it'll give you a, there might be like a button on the swap that says, do you want it faster? Do you have a, do you have a need for speed or something like this? Right. In which case you can get your swap faster. Um, and, but you'll obviously pay more fees. And, but for the, for the probably for majority yeah. of trades, the button probably wouldn't even show itself because it's, it would be, it would be the time faster that you would get is so, you know, inconsequential or, you know, if it's, if you did in two swaps and like, you know, it, it's basically you, your entire swap would be done in a minute. So, you know, my, why not pay half the fees for a minute of time? Right. Like it just kind of seems fairly obvious. Uh, so I think eventually like I, it's actually, this is kind of might be a little bit controversial or a little bit of a hot take here, but like it, it might end up being that streaming swaps becomes the regular swap. And the regular swap becomes the you know fast fast swap like like they, like the, there might be a flipping in the minds of the industry or the community that the stream swap becomes the regular thing, and that the regular thing just becomes like for the super you know people who want to, who like need to make a trade now, which is largely like just like the arb buffs for most people like it's just really the arbs who need to make a trade now because they have to arb arb the pool and do it very efficiently. For regular individuals just making a trade, like organic trade volume, like they don't really care so much about getting it within, you know, if they fit the weight five minutes, I think they'd be willing to do so for significant uh, savings on the fees. So it's just like, I think the stream stuff will eventually just become the standard and everybody will just use those by, de- by default. Yeah, when I was uh, testing this out, um, yesterday and today on StageNet with the, the, this little comparison tool that I made, um, one of the things I noticed was that if you just leave it to, you know, automatically calculate the number of, of swaps and you're doing a really big swap, you, I mean, you'll very frequently hit that 24-hour mark where it'll take, you know, a whole 24 hours to do your swap. But if you, you know, it, you don't really need to optimize to that extent where you're doing, uh, you know, a, a thousand swaps over 24 hours. Uh, why, there'd be like a much bigger reduction in fees. It's like, you know, 99.99 versus... 99.9 it's like it's still pretty good to just do um like an interval of like uh of 10 meaning um like a minute between swaps and then doing like 10 swaps you get you still get a 90 percent reduction in fees and it's done within 10 minutes so it's like it's pretty nice best of both worlds and then you can you can go you know uh, you could turn the interval down if you know, like. I, I think even a minute is pro- is like way more than enough time b- between swaps. Like you could turn that down to 
you know, every, every couple of blocks and instead of every block, or um, you can just do a, a couple less. If you do five swaps instead, you, you can cut, you, I bet you can cut this down to two minutes. You won't, you wouldn't even notice the difference between uh, doing right. a regular swap and doing a streaming swap. Right. If, if the R bots, if we, if we kind of like encourage a, a new, a higher quality R bots in, in the sense that they're more efficiently or more quickly maintaining the, the, the price, then, then you can, instead of doing a swap every minute, you could do every 30 seconds or something like this would obviously would, would, would you know, shorten your time by 30, by 50%. But to your point, like it, I'm not sure we'll actually see a large amount of like trades above 10 just, just because the, each additional sub swap that you make, you are you are having diminishing returns on the value that that provides you, right? For every like like the first swap, you get like fifty percent reduction in fees, and the second swap, you get like I think it's like another like you know tw- another twelve percent decrease in fees, and another like it just each time it gets quickly it kind of goes down. Even if you go between like twenty swaps to thirty swaps, you're like you're getting maybe one percent savings, right? And unless you have like some sort of massive trade where one percent is actually a lot of money, uh, it, it probably doesn't really make any sense for you. So like, and the time increase is is linear. So the the decrease in fees is, is, is nonlinear. It's 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 decreasing exponentially, and the time increase is, is going. So if you if you went between 12, 20 swaps to thirty swaps, you're getting one percent reduction in, in fees, but you're paying fifty percent more in time. And so, like, there's a little bit of a trade-off going on there. So there's, there's going to be some point where, like, an inflection point sort of where, like, it just doesn't make sense to go larger than, you know, 10 minutes or 10 swaps or, or maybe it's 15, depending upon the size of your trade. Like, unless you're some sort of mega whale or you're doing, like, a $5 million trade or something like this. It, it, doesn't, it really doesn't make much sense at all. So I think most trades are going to be in and then out of the network within, you know, 10 minutes or so. Yeah, especially the longer the swap takes, the more price risk you're taking that the assets don't move against each other in price. So you could potentially get a worse rate. And if you set a limit, then they could fail or, um, you know, like so. So the longer that the swap takes, especially if it's diminishing returns. Yeah, I I feel like just in my just experimenting uh, a little bit, just 10, uh, 10 swaps every 10 swaps, one executed every minute. You get your swap within ten minutes, and it's like a 90 percent reduction in fees at at least. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is more than enough for for anybody, and it's quicker than you're going to get it from any other swap service too. Right, and it, it, is it worth a nine percent reduction in fees for for ten minutes of your time? Yeah, probably. I don't. I know many people who would say that's not the case. That's why. I, that's kind of why I say it's going to be. I think it's going to become the, the new de, the new default, eventually. Like, and eventually, like I think UIs will just will probably just completely remove the ability to have a faster trade, except for extreme scenarios. Like I think ThorSwap eventually will just say, you know, if the trade is under, you know, uh, five swaps, then don't even give them the option for you know, do you want it now, the faster trade. Because it's just already fast enough that like it doesn't really make any, make a difference, and you're just complicating the user's choice by saying, "Oh, there's some other thing, I, there's some other decision I have to make now between speed and 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 fees." And so for for most people, for like ninety percent of people, ninety five percent people, like there's no reason to even really consider the 
the, the faster methodology just because it's just not going to be worth the time. And so most you, most swaps won't even need, need to have the actual like option to pick between the two, in which case streaming swaps becomes the default for most UIs. So to you is, is the, um, the streaming swap quantity, um, sorry, the, the interval where you're selecting, you know, wait, how many blocks between each of these swaps? Is that, is that kind of arbitrary where it's just like, oh yeah, a minute sound, like sounds pretty good as like a, as a default or um, is there like any reasoning behind? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's semi-arbitrary. The important thing there is that you want to make sure that if, so if you were to do it just every block hypothetically, right. And just do 10 swaps and 10 blocks, you know, just real fast, you wouldn't actually end up saving much money because each time in each block, you're making a trade and you're pushing the pool price away from yourself. Right. And so you need what you're looking for is you want to make a trade, a sub swap, and you want an arbitrage bot to, to push the pool back in the other direction, assuming that the trade was large enough to actually push the, the price in any significant way. And and then have the arbitrage bots push the other direction. And then so the next swap you have has a better price execution. Otherwise, you're just pushing the price against away from yourself as you're doing these individual swaps. That's why you shouldn't really do it like every block because you're not giving arbitrage bots time to arbitrage the pool. Uh, and so right now we're, just, we're saying 10, 10 blocks just because a minute's a good, a good round number uh, and it takes you know, anywhere between 10 seconds to you know, 45, 40 or 50 seconds for an arbitrage to, to do its thing, depending upon uh, what chain it is and, and other kind of attributes. But like, it's just like, a, it's a 10, 10 blocks is just kind of like a recommended default, but UIs like ThorSwap and other ones should do, you know, I would encourage them to do their own research and look at, you know, our arbitrage uh, time and, and come to their own conclusions. I'm like, no, we could probably get away with seven blocks instead of 10 blocks and, 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 and improve the speed of this whole thing. And like one more thing too, is like that when you do a streaming swap, the time that you're waiting, say you do like a 10 minute streaming swap, that time that you're, you're waiting at 10 minutes is actually applied to the outbound delay of your transaction. So if you had an outbound delay of 10 minutes because of like trade volume that's happening, outbounds that are happening in the network, then the streaming swap would execute in the same amount of time as a regular swap in a matter, in a matter of speaking, right? And so like uh, outbound delays are actually like reduced based upon the time that you're streaming your swap. So if you do an outbound a streaming swap for like an hour or two, then you don't have to wait an additional hour for your funds to be go through the delayed outbound because the network has already had time to to evaluate the legitimacy of your your inbound transaction. If anyone has questions about these like specific features, feel free to come up. I just uh, brought up Juggernaut. What's up, man? Hey, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey everyone. Uh, first, congratulations for these uh, evolutions that uh, are much, pretty much more fast than I expected. Um, large swap, uh, streaming swap. 
etc. My question is uh, simple and short, uh, I think. Uh, you, do, you know, I think everyone knows here that uh, the first Bitcoin deposited was uh, were deposit on uh, on Coinbase wallet. It was two o o nine. I'm talking about wallet capable to pay pizzas with thirty thousand bitcoins. Okay, so some old wallets will a lot of bitcoin taking dust. So. Uh, are you in negotiation with Coinbase, or uh, is there a way to integrate with TorSwap, or better uh, put uh, TorChain in backend of uh, Coinbase Wallet? Is it on its way, or Coinbase decline? Thank you. I'm not sure if I got that. Danny, you guys got that? Yeah, I mean, uh, if we're going to be in the back of Coinbase wallet, I mean, I, I think it could happen. But I mean, that's that's something we'd definitely love to see. But it, I I don't have anything to to say about it right now. Like, there, there's no uh, like you know, it, no, no, nothing is currently you know going on with that right now. Yeah, I think so, we're yeah, no we're, comment. I think we're actively talking with a lot of different wallets and uh, trying to get them to. Uh, to to make an integration and such, and I think like and, and Iridanus is here and he's welcome to comment. He, he does this more than than anybody, uh, uh, and same with Cloud. Cloud does a lot of work in this, but I think like over time, and I'm sure they would probably agree with me on this, but that things are getting easier for for them to 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 sell people on this stuff, right? Like I think initially, if you went back like a year ago when we uh, or uh, greater when we were first started the process to talk to wallets and get integrations and such. It was a, kind of a much harder sell in some sense. Like it was harder for people to understand the value. It was hard for people to understand what we we're doing, and you know, and to be fair, we we didn't we weren't as mature back then. Like we didn't have like the quotes endpoint, for example, and swap fees were were are, are, are higher, but both because gas fees like three x uh, uh gas fees, and also um, we didn't have streaming swaps. And like and so like as the protocol is changing and improving uh, on many fronts. From an SDK perspective, from an API perspective, from like functionality and, and just like core core features of the core protocol, to you know things even things like outside of the core protocol, like like SwapKit, you know, makes all this stuff kind of easier as well. Like really good work there. And so like things I I, I feel at least are are probably and I think Iridanus would agree with me and Kyle would too, is that if things are getting easier when we talk to these wallets, and as we're knocking down their reasons of why they're you know don't want to do it or whatever the hell it might be. Um, and so there will come a time, and I think it's approaching, uh, when we don't really have to, like, you know, handhold these walls to, to integrate. They'll just want to integrate on their own accord without, without talking to myself or Kyle or Iridanus, and they'll just integrate, you know, and do it themselves over a weekend, you know, in a, in a matter of speaking, just because the SDK is there, the docs are there, like all the information, you know, we're already widely accepted because we're in many wall <clears throat> many wallets that are, uh, you know, uh, trading with us, and it's just like kind of that inherent trust that comes with with like vast usage. So as as we get more and more wallets integrated, which is already happening, um, it's easy to get these things. Some will be more harder, to, like 
harder to convince a longer term. Like, for example, I personally doubt Uniswap is going to integrate with us anytime soon just because I think they're just fixated on Ethereum for some reason. But I think eventually they will, in my opinion. Like, it won't be tomorrow. It'll probably be in, like, probably in the order of years. But at some point when ThorChain becomes such a utilized feature and, and so many other protocols that Uniswap and all these things will probably just naturally have to integrate just because we're the only option to be able to just support, you know, important assets like Bitcoin and other ones. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much for the your answer. Well, yeah. if I uh, um, understood well, it's step by step, but yeah. it will become a time. And thank you for your work, guys. I'm very proud to be there since three years. I wanted to say that onwards. That's all. Onwards, my friend. Hell yeah. Yeah, and especially as more of the like bigger uh, like brands as like Trust Wallet and uh, you know Ledger start integrating Thorchain, then it, it just becomes more more salient it just becomes more obvious like what it enables not not everyone's seen it yet you know and a lot of people everyone's focused on their own thing you know and a lot, a lot of people don't look outside their own bubble so it um it definitely takes time to permeate um outwards i think so yeah it definitely does and but i will say like it's as we get more adopted and more wallets ones that want the people respect like a trust wallet for example or a ledger or something like this like it just makes it more obvious to everybody else you know to treasure and nobody else they're like oh i better do this too because i'm getting left behind and i should also mention that the ledger um team they um <laughs> they, they made a note while while we were there that they just saw so much support from the uh the Thorchain like community and like even their even the ledger support team told them that people were asking for Thorchain powered swaps in in the back end so like it, it, it like i it definitely people see that and they um and that that makes people's heads like turn a little bit and then we're there to actually help them connect the dots because a lot of people just don't realize that you know what this network does is even possible first off like that's that's uh itself is just a huge um a huge point that to like drive across people don't even realize what we're doing is is native asset transfer and not uh not some kind of wrapped thing or um you know we're doing we're doing our own thing with with no dependencies so it's not it's not even obvious to uh to a lot of people, especially if they're, you know, they've been focusing on, on shipping for, for years and years to millions of people. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. The Brune Army does a great job in, in the in the Twitter sphere, and they actually do create a lot of awareness and pressure to, you know, uh, to, to, for other people to integrate. And, and to, even like things like I think Ledger was saying that like they were, <laughs> that they were getting so tired about, uh, the community asking to to like fix some um i think it was uh, adopting a new version of the ledger like app on the ledger or whatever and they're just like ah we finally got them to stop <laughs> tweeting to us to, to adopt this thing <laughs> so helpful 
before I forget, quick update on that. Some of the the guys that we uh, that we met at um, at the Ledgerplex, they're the, the, the people who developed basically half the plugins in the Ledger store, um, and they're, they're super like super into writing apps specifically for Ledger. So um, besides helping with the ETH plugin, um, those guys are also hopefully going to be doing a an updated Thorchain app for Ledger. So then hopefully we can get out of developer mode hell and start to. Uh, you know, have all the regular Thorchain features just natively in Ledger without having to, you know, uh, basically like change a bunch of settings and like go on Thorswap to check your balance and things like that. Uh, it, I hope hopefully um, once these guys get to work on it, um, that should all be much more natively integrated into the Ledger platform uh, so they, they can add things like message deposit and support for everything that we've been like needing for a long time, which definitely just helps with the broader like adoption of, uh, of Thorchain and making it easier to actually like interact with your ledger, which is like what a lot of people use to secure their assets. So just wanted to make sure I mentioned that. But yeah, I mean, integrations have been going, uh, have been going pretty well. And, uh, People definitely see the see the light. It just uh, just gonna take a lot of time. Like you know, it's, it's definitely on the order of years that it, it'll take to you know get everywhere everywhere we need to be. But every integration that we do makes it easier for the next one to happen. It also creates like a moat, right? Like if other networks want to come online later to challenge Thorchain's position in the industry, they have to go through. They have to spend the years like we already spent to you know bake the code, fix the bugs, you know, solve the kind of edge cases and also get all the integrations as well, which is like, it may be difficult for them to do so when uh, more difficult for them than it is for us, because for like, take trust wallet, for example, they didn't have a way to, to swap between Bitcoin and ether, which obviously is not, there's a lot, of, a lot of demand for that. And so once a second person comes along and says, Hey, I can do Bitcoin to ether swaps for you. They're like, well, we already have that and price execution is actually really good and the experience is really good and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, there's not a lot of drive to add it. Right. There's not a lot of, there's less, there's less value proposition for yeah, the network is more mature. Action. They have a good relationship with the team. There's really no, like the, the amount of work it would take to integrate a, a whole new protocol with its own paradigms is, um, you know, a bigger lift than it would be worth when it's just covering basically the same routes. Right. That's the, I think that's my, my theory, at least. We'll see if that's actually uh, true or not in, in the long term. But um, it'd be a difficult, unless they get integrated to like a, a DEX, some sort of DEX aggregation system, and then which, which that aggregator system abstracts away all the work about integrating a, a new third party, you know, swap uh, path. Yeah, and that'll for sure happen because that that's already happening in the EVM space, but it's only happening in the EVM space right now. Like, there's uh, you know, obviously there's one inch, there's PowerSwap, both of those like gigantic ERC twenty aggregators, but they don't do anything beyond uh, ERC twenties. So once they start, you know, branching out and start using using our liquidity, I mean, then it's basically just the the whole aggregation theory of just like, you know, whoever has the most roots is, uh, is going to get there. So we just need to keep shipping on that. And uh, we're going to have Finn Blue here. Hey.
Hey, you uh, are you ready for me to ask a question? Go for oh, it. Hey, sorry, it went uh, blank for a second there. Hey, two two quick questions. Uh, wondering if you can provide an update on uh, where we stand with lending and the and the third party review there. And then also, there was a comment made by the Thorchain Twitter handle maybe a week or so ago about core devs kind of reassuming responsibility for primary product development. I'm just kind of curious what what exactly that means. Sure. Uh, let me answer your first question first. Um, so block science is doing a, a, what's called a risk report, right? They're not evaluating the legitimacy or illegitimacy of the protocol itself. They're not there to say that this thing is awesome. Everybody should use it. Or they're not there to say this thing sucks. Nobody should use it. They're there to, to formally document the risk scenarios and the failure scenarios of lending. And the reason why we're doing this is so that the community as a whole have a very explicit and clearly written document that is, you know, spent months in research and analyzation to figure out what those things are so that the community can, when they vote to enable lending, you know, downstream, they um, are well-informed, right? We want the community to be a well-informed community because obviously that just means a higher quality vote. This is better and healthier for the, pro for the protocol itself, of course. So that's what they're doing. So this document is going to have just, here's how it can fail. Here's what the risks are. It's not going to say, you know, we're, here's the rewards. Here's, here's the upside. Here's how it can make ruin the best, you know, uh, higher market cap than Ether. I don't know, like this, whatever. Like it's not going to make anything positive. It's only going to say effectively like negative things. But it's important for the community actually like, you know, understands the, the risks and, and, and of, of this protocol and, and so that everybody can make an informed choice about what that is. That should be coming out in the near future. Um, we've already, I've read it myself. Uh, I don't know, Kyle, have you read it yourself? I'm not sure if you've read it at all. I've seen that it exists. I, it is way too long for me to bite into right now with, with everything else going on. Yeah, it's, it is a so long. Yeah, I haven't read it. Yeah. It's, it's not a one pager. It's, 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 it's considerably longer than that. Um, I have read it, and it's overall it's well written. Uh, the the guys who did write it, they they come from a traditional finance background, so they're approaching it from a traditional finance mentality. Um, and uh, it'll come out probably in the next few days, I'm assuming, or maybe in the next week or something. I'm not exactly sure when, but it's it feels like it's pretty pretty nearing. There's a few small edits that we've requested them to to change uh, to to, be, to clarify. Um, and to be clear, like we're they're they're free to open. To write whatever the hell they want we're not you know we're not telling them they can write this and they can't write that or this like it's their report they're we're just giving them as much information as possible and making sure that the information that they are providing is, is true and accurate to how the network actually works or the risk that they actually are or that we don't phrase things in a way that's a little bit maybe a little bit misleading or could construe some things or something like that that's my focus when i actually read this thing and, and give feedback to them about how it's how it's written to make sure it's accurate real uh, and not misleading. Um, so that's coming out in the near future. You'll be able to read it, and I think that's quite valuable. The second component of what they're doing is uh, simulations. So they're building um, uh, Pythonic models to to simulate various scenarios. And so we should be able to take, um, you know, the current situation of lending, like fast forward six months from now, the current situation of lending, put it into simulations and be able to like, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if this happens? And what if that happens? And then be able to like model those things 
and, and illustrate a result and produce, you know, graphs and charts and just to help, help that stuff. And we'll actually have, you know, dashboards available to the community that are live, you know, that you can go there and look at the health of lending and see how many loans are open. And, and if they were all closed right now, how much room would be minted and, and what is the health of the lending, you know, protocol and da, 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 da. like just a bunch of different things just to give people like real time information about this whole thing and how, how it's operating, how it's working, that kind of stuff. Did that answer your first question? Yep. Okay. Second question was uh, about a tweet that the Thirteen account had about a week ago about the OGs kind of coming back. Um, so I think what was so the OGs have, have been trying to do like what we call playing ops lessons for, you know, the last six months or 12, 12 months or so. And, and some of the OGs have, have actually uh, have um, have exited and they're not currently uh, contributing to the project anymore. Um, and I think what actually happened was that like that myself and, and other individuals uh, felt that, that there's still a lot more to be done. And there's a lot more high, like highly valuable features to be executed, like lending being one of them and streaming props being another one. And maybe that's cold vault, maybe that's perpetuals, order books, like these kind of things. And the nine rooms team is, is, is doing a really good job around a lot of things, but they don't only have so many resources, so many people, so much time, so many hours in a day and so forth. And so they're, we're having a bit of a hard time, you know, getting everything done because there's just so much uh, pressure on them to get a lot of things done. And so uh, the, the choice was made to myself and, and, and Lena and, um, to come back to the project on a full-time basis to, to actively work to make sure that the rest of the protocol is, is delivered and things get done uh, and done well. And not that Nine Realms wasn't doing it well or anything like this, but just get, make sure that everything gets done and executed well and uh, make sure that the network is fully realized in terms of what it's possible for it to, to actually accomplish. Does that make sense? Yep, sure does. There you go. Is, hey, uh, we're glad you're back, Chad. As if you ever <laughs> left. <laughs> well, just, just, just another follow-up thought. Uh, I know that, you know, Heimdall, I still see occasionally stuff from him, but not nearly as much as a year or two ago. Is, is he part of that uh, group that's coming back no no heimdale is out uh, heimdale um we talked about to him about coming back and uh, i think for him he just feels like he's I mean, he's been working on this project for a really long time he's like he was one of the original devs of it and so i think he's just he just wants some t time to himself or, or maybe wor work on something new who knows heimdale is not one of those he's he's definitely exited at this point i hope he comes back it'd be great because I, I love that guy he's he's a great he's a great dev and a, and a great resource and uh, and a good person overall, but no, he's not one of them. Just for, primarily, just myself and Lena, the ones that are, are coming coming back to to help the network get to where we want to get get it to. Excellent, thanks. Yeah, no worries. Cool. So, uh, also on lending. Um, is there ADR being drafted for lending right now or uh, anything else to say about that? So I haven't been super up on the lending stuff. I've been, I guess I've just been focusing on, on the integrations front of things. Uh, so yeah. So w with this block sign support that's coming out soon, is that coming with the, the ADR to 
propose the uh, lending and initial launch features? Yeah, so that's part of it. So the the an ADR is is, is in the process of being drafted now, uh, and in that ADR we will kind of you know say that we're looking to launch lending. Uh, here are the initial parameters of lending, and and we've had block science do their own kind of review process to, to, to make their recommendations of what they think are good, you know, values for the, for the uh, configuration of lending. And we're, and we're actively talking about those values now between our, uh, the devs and, and, and block science and so forth and so on. And so when the ADR does launch, it'll be say, Hey, here's the, the parameters that, you know, we're looking to launch with um, after, you know, audit and, and conversation with, with an external or third party resource like block science uh, here's the re- risk report that you know they spent the last like month or two uh, writing. Um, we will probably include uh, a, a counter thing uh, written by one of the devs uh, on the like rewards. Like, here's the risk report of like all the ways the failure rate scenarios and, and risks that this thing has. And then here's another you know uh, just document written. So here's the reward report of like here's here's why we see it to be valuable. Here's here's the upside. Of lending and why it's this is something we should we should be doing, and then people can read both of these things and then come to their own conclusions of what they feel is you know right for the protocol, and then vote with their with their nodes uh, to say what which direction we're going. Nice. Cool. Once that ADR comes out, like that's the vote for lending and that, whatever the vote is, like that's when lending's launching. So the quicker we get the ADR out there, the quicker we can actually get you know, lending running, assuming that the vote passes. Nice. Yeah. Hopefully the report can come out soon this week and then we get the ADR and then, uh, and we see what happens with the with the vote. Yeah, other stuff. Um... Another thing we we've been recently launched. I think Thorswap was actually excited about this one. I know Leggy can comment if you'd like. But uh, is the affiliate preferred asset feature? Which is pretty neat. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. This one's pretty pretty nice. So it so basically it allows an uh, an affiliate to. To choose an asset of their of their of their liking, it could be Bitcoin, it could be ETH, it could be some random ERC twenty asset. It doesn't really matter. Um, and they can receive their their in, their income uh, from affiliate fees into that particular asset at a particular wallet address of their of their choosing. And so, this is actually really really valuable for the community as a whole. So for ThorSwap's case, uh, what's really nice is that. Um, the, the fees that they're collecting now just go into their their wallet and then they take those fee, those that fund those funds swap it themselves and then put it into the you know the vthor uh, contract to, to pay out the kind of rewards to the people who are locking their assets now that can be done autonomously and completely decentralized so now you don't have to like trust thorswap will do that even though they've been doing it uh, well and consistently for the whole entire time um, and the other really important thing about this is it helps us to get more sticky with our uh, affiliates. So take uh, um, a trust wallet, for example. They, uh, you know, if they get paid in um, an asset 
uh, my understanding, and I hope I get this correct, and, and Air Dennis can, or Kyle can correct me if I'm wrong here, but if they get paid in a, an asset that's that's not um, that is a volatile like Rune, for example, or Bitcoin, even um, it can be problematic from their perspective about the legal implications of this. And what they would rather do from a legal safety perspective is just get paid in, in, in USDC or something like this, right? And it wasn't really feasible or possible for us. So I think at this point, Trust Wallet's not even collecting fees. And to be honest, we want Trust Wallet to collect fees. We want them to be sticky. We want them to be getting income from this integration. It makes it more difficult to remove us later, right? And it makes it uh, more obvious that they should continue to support ThorChain when they're you know, making an income of whatever amount of money that they did, that they would make uh, on their on their platform by facilitating trades and swaps uh, savers you know all this kind of stuff whatever it might be and so like it's really valuable for us to be able to, to have the flexibility to allow um, our affiliates to collect income and whatever asset they choose it gives them much more flexibility much more power and be able to have more ability to to you know legally operate in a way that makes sense in their region, whether it be United States or otherwise. So that was a big feature that Iridennis was working on for, for quite a while. So I definitely thank him for all the hard work on, on that particular feature and getting that shipped. Uh, I think it comes out in 116, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it's 115. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, it was in 116, and he did a bunch of testing on it in StageNet the other day in the Dev Discord. Uh, I, was, I was checking that out, and it uh, looks like it works pretty nice. And uh, then <laughs> it was actually pretty cool. Uh, Urso was like was fixing the, some of the bugs in it like as as it was happening live, uh, which was just like cool, like little back like, window uh, thing to see. Yeah, and <laughs> that was pretty neat. But yeah, I mean, it should make integrations a lot easier, especially like it, it makes it so anyone can just get assets and whatever, get their affiliate fees or whatever asset that they want, basically. So it, it's a huge win for affiliates and should make integrations a lot easier to, to ship out. Um, and yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it's basically what you're what you're saying with with Trust Wallet. I mean, it, it's not exactly like like those those reasons, but like it, it's very problematic when you as a receiver of funds start to start to initiate swaps uh yourself that that you know, like, there's a whole bunch of legal implications that come with that and something that we've been like seeing as nine realms are working with all these integrators uh that are trying to collect obviously monetize and, and collect affiliate fees so uh the, the solution is you put all of the the heavy lifting on on thorchain and then you just have it native to the protocol so then it, it just makes it, it it makes it so much simpler to um, to carry this out and to actually legally be able to collect um, affiliate fees, which is just kind of like a uh, it it is sort of a nightmare, and I never would have thought this before. But uh, just seeing how much work has to go into like the um, like the, the the legal side of things is uh, is pretty mind boggling. So this should make things a lot easier on that front. Yeah, whatever we can do to just knock out reasons why affiliates or wallets or integration partners would not want to integrate like whatever those reasons are like whatever we can do just to knock those down and just like out of the uh conversation is obviously a, a positive thing and that just it just goes to like the maturity of, of the platform like it's just a natural thing to happen and we're as we keep on doing the work that we're doing as a community as an ecosystem um we just get more mature we give we just get more easier to integrate less issues less problems you know and it just becomes more and more obvious to do so 
And the best integrations tool, I think, is is just going to be a link to how, however much Trust Wallet or ThorSwap is getting paid, essentially. Uh, <laughs> like, you, you think about how often it's going to start dispersing Bitcoin or USDC into into their wallet once they... Uh, when, when they start collecting, uh, collecting, uh, you know, just a couple of basis points off each swap, it's going to get pretty big, pretty fast. And if they start collecting, uh, you know, six figure income on on the monthly, that definitely um, that, that that's a very tangible thing that a lot of wallets can be like, wow, this is like a really uh, really nice revenue source that isn't like re- that isn't just relying on uh, on a changely or something like that to uh, to, to keep it running. And yeah, you know, God only knows how how sketchy uh, something like that is behind the scenes. But um, you know, being some kind of open protocol like this, and being able to see like, wow, these this is how much is getting paid to each affiliate every single week, and uh, seeing those numbers, then adding it up and seeing how much that you could do based off your own uh, wallet's volume is a pretty attractive proposition. Yeah, I would even add that like. Once they start making an income based upon the trade volume of their of their wallet, then they're incentivized to make to obviously have more trade volume because they would need more money, of course. And that means that like they want to integrate with more assets, more chains. Um, in Trust Wallet's case, like I was looking at the other day, and like this, I was looking at like the Bitcoin wallet, whatever, and I was trying to do a swap, and like to do the actual swap, like the swap button was like in a sub menu somewhere else. It wasn't like very, you know, right there in front of your face to click and make it happen. And so, like, once they start making income on those swaps, maybe they'll, like, change their UI so that the swap button's more, you know, dominant and more prevalent in the UI and, and therefore would cause more trade volume, which, of course, is better for the protocol itself. Like, we want people to have trade volume, obviously. So, like, it just creates the, the correct incentives that, that everybody is aligned in the same direction in parallel. And we're all heading towards, uh, you know, Valhalla. Yep, that's one of the biggest things to come out of the, the last release. I almost forgot about that one. That's it. <laughs> we're making so many like uh, so many great changes that you just like, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm going through all the milestones. There's like so many. It's like, oh my god. Um, w- uh, one of the other things that we should probably bring up. I, I don't. I don't want to like you know just beat everything to death here um the changes to the reserve income and i, I believe it's a u.s dollar based fee now rather than a a rune based fee that, that's paid to the uh, reserve yeah yeah that's that was a change that was in i think 115 i always lose track at this point but uh once maybe with 116 i can't remember but um it's basically changing the, the the fee that the reserve gets from the swaps to be a US and USD terms rather than rune terms, which obviously means it's much more stable because in, in low times, obviously there would be less fees and high times would be more fees in terms of like bull markets and bear markets and this kind of thing. And having more reliability and more predictability about the swapping process is probably a good thing in general. It just creates more stability in which the better instrument to be used for for trades, especially for larger trades and, and, and institutions. So I think that was a, 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 a change that was made. I mean, I remember actually talking about this concept and this feature like way back when, like bef- way before the network even launched. This is like when I was um, writing the actual code, like in the early, early days, uh, working with Lena and others. 
uh, we talked about the idea that like we didn't have to pay everything in Rune because we already have a you know a, basically a price oracle built right into the core protocol, you know, and so we can pay fees in any asset. It can be you know Rune, it could be something else, it could be like arbitrarily anything in the world. And it's kind of funny to see that that conversation we had literally four and a half years ago or four years ago. It's like now like manifested it in some small way. And I guess lastly, um, some work being done right now to deprecate Yig vaults, the old um, basically hot wallets that were on each node. Um, so Chad, you're, you're doing some stuff to get rid of the Yig vaults. What's uh, is, yeah? What, what's going on with that? I mean, it's it's just like it's just about cleaning up old craft in a matter of speaking. Um, it should be done relatively soon, I think, probably within the next few weeks. But it's just about like we used to have Yggdrasil vaults so that we could sign more efficient. We were we were concerned in the earlier days that threshold signatures, because of the way that signing works, it would be fast enough to support. Uh, a large trade volume in terms of or trade quantity, more accurately. Um, and so we, we, we created the Yggdrasil vaults so that we had a way for like signing rapidly and quickly. And it was very helpful in the early days of the network when we had a relatively smaller quantity of validators. Um, but now that we have, uh, you know, well, about 80 something, 86 or something like this validators, and we have five from Azure vaults that all have like a membership of 20 nodes or so. Those actually have uh, a pretty good signing speed, right? In terms of how many transactions they can sign per, you know, per minute or per hour, whatever it is. In fact, it's actually like it's it's actually faster than what Chainflip can do. Chainflip can do about like it's like a hundred signatures per minute or something like this, and we can actually outperform them in terms of outbound transactions, which is kind of funny because like Schnorr signatures are, are supposed to be faster than TSS, and they are, but because of the way that, that our network is, is architected. Um, we can actually outperform short signatures, which is kind of funny to think about. Um, so we don't really need useful vaults anymore, and we haven't used them for a long time. Uh, and I think it's, at this point, it's just about kind of cleaning up the old crop and just kind of getting rid of it and just clearing the code out of the uh, the code out of, out of the network and, and clean things up a bit. Although the useful logic will probably like stay in some sense with cobalts, like cobalts may bring back some of that code or some of that logic. Because it's a uh, Yggdrasil vault and a Cobalt have a, have a lot of similarities between the two of them, so there might be some kind of bringing back some of that logic for that particular purpose or use case. But it's just a cleanup thing we're doing. Same thing with like clearing pending liquidity. Another thing that happened um, in one one six was like we've had people who added who wanted to do dual sided ads, like I add some rune, I'm going to add the Bitcoin later or vice versa. And they added one side, but never added the second side for whatever reasons. And it's just been sitting in, in a pending state. Like that liquidity has been sitting in the network, but not in the pool. It's been sitting out of it. Now. And those people have not been earning a yield for the last two years. And almost all of this liquidity that's sitting in pending is like from literally two years ago. And so there was just a PR to just like have the network auto clear that liquidity uh, from the from the, no, from the pools by just committing it into the pool. So if you do a dual sided ad and you and you do one side but not the other and a week passes by and you didn't add the second part of it, then the network will just commit the first part and then you'll you're earning rewards on that first part.
another just another cleanup thing. Yeah, do you know how many people that actually affects? I doubt it's very many at all. Is it, is it more than a hundred even? Um, I don't know the actual quantity. I think the amount is closer to like I think the amount value is I think it's around like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars just sitting on on the sidelines. And I'm pretty sure almost all of it was from like very early days in the in MCCN and in, in like in ChaosNet. Now, my assumption is, and I don't know for sure, but my assumption was that that there was some sort of UI bug and some UI, and it, maybe it was ThorSwap, maybe it was uh, AskGuardX, maybe it was something else. I actually have no idea, or do I really care to figure it out? But that there was some bug in their UI that they, like they had a failure case for the second transaction and and not for the first. And so, like a, a bunch of people got to that state, but then they didn't like weren't aware they were like maybe the UI didn't show them that they were in that state, and they weren't really aware they're they're at state. And so, like the people that this affects, to be honest, probably don't even know that it's affecting them because they they uh, basically sleeping, sleeping at the wheel at this point, you know, in a matter of speaking. So, almost all the the the, the liquidity was added like year like over a year or two ago, and so it's just like it's been sitting there on the sidelines, not really doing much, and we don't want to have you know, value, value just sitting there doing nothing. That's just not helpful for anybody, not for the LPs and not for the protocol either. So the, it's in the best case scenario, I think, for both individuals that the network gets deeper pools, which is good, and the LP gets their, you know, liquidity and they get start earning a yield on that, on those assets. Yep, that makes total sense. And... Yeah, I, I feel like that, that's most of the major uh, new things that have come about. And yeah, I mean, there's just been so many, and, and with integrations and everything like that, it's a it's such a, a a busy time. I mean, I don't think there's ever really been like a slow time in in Thorchain world. Like, I, I think it's been pretty uh, just shipping steady for the for the past couple of years. But I mean, now especially is just like just shipping on on all fronts. And uh, yeah, looking forward to streaming swaps. Hopefully, getting live like. You know, this this weekend maybe that would be super nice. Would love to see it. Working on unless it. you're gonna put an ADR. Um, but I mean, I I don't know. I, I think you should just. Uh, me me personally, I think you should just ship it. <laughs> yeah, should you ship it? What do you think? I, I I mean, I think you just ship it. Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, you, you have think? my blessing. Cow, ship <laughs> it. Ship it or do an ADR. What do you think? My my vote ship. I, I don't. I don't think it's as. It, it's not like a. It, it's a complete um, overhaul, and it's something that can't be immediately turned off if there is, you know, if, if there's reasons to turn it off. Uh, so I. That's why I say ship it. Yeah, I think, I think the argument for shipping it would be that the concept of streaming swaps is already supported today. Like in the sense that somebody could manually do those individual trades. They paid more, more in like gas fees, but. They could literally do it today if they wanted to, um, so it doesn't have that effect. Like, if it's not really a new thing; it just makes it easier to accomplish something that you already have. The argument for doing an ADR is that this does actually change the 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 the, the system income of the network because people are going to be able to do pay less fees on their on their transaction, which means the LPs and nodes would earn less rewards from those individuals. But at the same time. Um, it's going to also trigger a higher volume of trading. So if we're going to increase fees just from more volume, decreased on a per-user basis, but increased on a quantity uh, basis on like a unique swappers kind of scenario. 
So how that affects the, the like end yield for LPs and nodes and savers and so forth and so on, we'll see what that actually is. Right? To be honest, I don't have a clear picture of what that is. We'll find out in, in the coming months. And it won't be immediate either. Like we launch streaming swaps tomorrow, let's just say, the fees and the income of the network will be identically the same as it was the, the day before because it requires nodes, uh, requires integration partners to actually do the work and, and you know, integrate the feature, right? I don't even think ThorSwap's quite ready for StreamSwap's yet, uh, and they're probably going to be one of the first and earliest ones to do it. So it's going to take months for, like, StreamSwap's to really, really be rolled out across the entire ecosystem. So that'd be a slow process. But I can see arguments to not do an ADR, and I've seen arguments to do an ADR. Yeah, and for that reason, I judge no ADR. Case dismissed. <laughs> what do you think, uh, Thoreau? What do you think, no ADR or ADR? I'd, I'd throw out to drop-ins of the audience. Oh, okay. I don't well, know. I, I mean, I, I don't think it's a huge deal, like, is what I'm trying to say. Like, it's not like, so, so like, lending, for example. Lending's a feature that you can't just say, well, we need to turn this off. You know what I mean? Uh, like, it's, it's not really working out. We need to, we need to just flip this off. Uh, streaming swaps is something that you can totally just turn off without really affecting anything. Uh, for the protocol, because then it would just go back to normal, you know. So it, I, it, I, it's not a, it's not adding anything that that can't be undone or um, you know creates like a major structural change. It's just a new type of swap. So I, I think it's uh, right. I think it's kosher. And that's true. Like, it, and even on the like fee component of it, like the the intent is that initially it's going to be a five basis points swap fee, which would be like it would just beat the entire market. And, and trades but um that is an it's somewhat of an arbitrary number like we can we can configure by a, by a vote to increase it to 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 or 70 basis points like you can arbitrarily put that number to the hell you want and that'll be what the what the you know um the the base like you know fee is for the for the network as a, as a whole so like if we find that it's not you know we've, we've traded off too much fees for you know whatever we can always just shift that number if we want to. But I think the intention is that like, that we're going to like have a, a guerrilla tactics to, to, to massively expand the network and its user base and its integration partners and its swappers and the kind of, the types of people who would utilize ThorChain. I think it's massively going to, we're going for with this feature change and we're willing to, to sacrifice on the, the system income to, to acquire more market share and more usability and, and you know, more competition uh, and, and be more competitive with, you know, Coinbase and uh, other people that you can get across Bitcoin to Ether uh, trades for. I think that's really kind of the goal in some sense. And we, we need to let that kind of, you know, ride for a while before you actually see how, it, how well it does or does not benefit the protocol. Yeah, uh, Fimbla. I, I was just curious: is uh, has anyone done the math? If you know, if a, a swap that uh, normally would have been you know one swap is now divided into into ten swaps, um, and granted the fees are are much reduced on those, but there's also now ten additional arb trades that are made over you know the ten minute period or whatever. Has anyone done the math to see like how much those ten arb trades 
add to uh, you know to swap fees that uh, that would have otherwise been paid by the user. Uh, I don't think so, to be honest with you. Um, we'll see. I actually, I actually don't have a, a good answer to that question. I think uh, we'll find out over time of like how much the fees are affected by these little mini trades and swaps and such. My assumption is that like if I had a knee-jerk reaction to what you're saying is that it, it wouldn't be significant in my view, just because the uh, for a lot of these trades, depending on which pools we're talking about and, and which what volumes and whatnot, but like a lot of these trades. Um, these mini sub trades, sub, sub swaps or mini swaps, whatever you want to call them, uh, won't have a significant effect on the pool price to make it viable for an R bot to actually go the other direction. I think um, like it wouldn't be a, a, enough meat on the bone, in a matter of speaking, to to make it to to pay the costs that they would have to pay to to do it. Um, we'll see if that that might shift and change with a higher volume of streaming swaps, right? All going in a particular direction. But uh, I think initially, I don't think it'll have a significant effect in one direction or the other. That's, that's my knee-jerk reaction, but I have not done the math out to, to your question. Cool, thanks. Yep. Cool, cool. See ya, Chad. Uh, well, let's do it. I want to. <laughs> I want to test out the streaming swaps. I just, like honestly, it, just even as as a sales tool, like using it as like you know, look at the, look at your competitors' rates and look at our rates, and you know, look at what we have to offer. And um, it, it's it's going to be really powerful in that way. I think. Yeah. No, I totally agree. You know, it would be great. Uh, and since you're already working on that like simulator thing that you were talking about earlier, is yeah. like being able to create a script where you can take a transaction that was made either on ThorChain or elsewhere and, and say like, and just be able to tweet like, Oh, should have made a streaming swap. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I think <laughs> a good, like, yeah. a good like marketing thing of like this guy traded, like, like we saw like a trade other, like yesterday, there was like $170,000 trade and we could look like, well, if he, he could have saved this, you know, he could have gotten, you know, half an ETH more if he had just done a streaming swap, should have done a streaming swap hashtag or something like this. Yeah, I mean, so this is exactly what you're saying, but Polaris right now is working on a streaming swap comparison tool. So you can basically type in any hash into this this tool, and then you can see uh, like how it compares as a streaming swap, as a regular swap versus a if you executed it on uh, on like a centralized service like Changely, or I'm not sure exactly what he's using, but it, it does a different it does a comparison of uh, a, a couple different swap methods, so you can actually like do some forensics on like would would this have been better to stream would this you know was it fine that it's done in in uh you know in one trade and you know it, it's kind of a similar tool to what you're talking about to like analyze like you know did, did the stream uh help you out how much like well what's the execution delta that kind of thing yeah that's awesome i think that's gonna be really helpful just to help illustrate and like market the feature you know Especially we can make it into like a Twitter Twitter campaign of like should have been a streaming swap or something like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. And uh, the the way ThorSwap is presenting it as um, you either prefer time execution or or price execution is it, a really clever way to do it. Where it it just says like, hey, this is how much you get out if you don't 
care about the time so much and it's not much you get out if you want it done now 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 so it you know i think it's a it's a great way to do it and we'll we'll see how it kind of evolves over time uh yeah i, I definitely think people heavily use this feature i definitely will so i mean i definitely would use it myself of course I actually, like, yeah i mean I really yeah, if you didn't to... use it you'd just be stupid to not, not to do it you know what i really would love to do for this feature like from like a, a marketing marketing perspective I think this is awesome, but maybe other people think this is a, this is a dumb idea. But um, I, I had to do like uh, a trade the other day on to, to fiat on uh, an exchange, and just the depositing of like USDC to this exchange uh, took like they needed like seventy confirmations before they would you know acknowledge that my my USDC was even sent to them, which is like what like 50, 50, 15 minutes or something like this. And I was just like thinking to myself, like, like even with streaming swaps and like the additional time it takes to do so, it's still much faster to trade on Thorchain than it is to do on a centralized exchange. And so, like, I really want to do like a side by side video like race, you know, like live stream potentially something like this, where like you have two people trying to make a one Bitcoin trade, you know, to Ether or something like this, or Ether to Bitcoin, and they both start at like google.com as like the starting point or, or maybe thorswap.finance is like the starting point. And then like you have to like go to the site, you have to like log in, you have to like get your address, you have to deposit the, you know, you know the assets, you have to like make the swap or trade and then like pull it back out and put it back into your, into your wallet and to see like a side-by-side comparison of like the number of, of like clicks you have to make on, on using like thorswap versus like, you know, a Kraken or something like it. Um, and, and then the amount of time that it takes to do so. And I will almost, like, I can guarantee you right now, like, just logically speaking, that, like, the number of clicks will be probably, like, 150th or 130th of what it takes to do on Coinbase or, like, Kraken or something. And then time would be, like, probably, like, four times faster or three times faster than it does on, like, a centralized exchange. Just to illustrate the point that, like, it's so much faster, easier, more convenient, cheaper to do your trades on ThorSwap than it, on, or ThorChain than it is to do it on any of these centralized ex- exchanges. Sweet, man. Anything else uh, you want to talk about? I think that's it for me. Anything from the audience? Yeah, last call if anyone wants to come up and ask anything. It's been a while since we've done a, done one of these, so maybe people have some burning questions they've been waiting, sitting on. Well, either way, uh, it'll be up on YouTube, so you know people can come watch recording i put the transcripts up there too as always so uh you know if you don't want to watch the whole video which is probably way too long (laughs) because it's like what an hour 40 so far uh you can just scrub through the transcripts and get to the part that you want to get to or just put in the chat gpt and tell and ask it to summarize what we said yeah i think that i think that's it then All right. Yeah. No one's requesting to come up. All right. Cool, guys. Um, Yeah. 
we'll see you next time and maybe in two weeks and hopefully by then we got stream swaps and yeah, a bunch of other good stuff maybe lending UDR question mark probably the next two weeks it sounds likely let's do it all right see you then